Be Wealthy and Smart, episode 696. into a world of wealth and financial freedom without budgets, boredom, or bosses on Be Wealthy and Smart. And now, here's your host, Linda P. Jones. Welcome to Be Wealthy and Smart. I'm Linda P. Jones, America's Wealth Mentor, empowering women and men worldwide to financial freedom. On today's show, I'm doing a very special podcast because these are unusual times. We're in uncharted water. So I'm calling this the Coronavirus Financial Report Explanation and Action. And in this, what I've done is taken questions from people on social media. I've combined that into this report. I'll be answering those questions at the end and seeing that everything you wanna know about what's going on is answered. Whether this is your first time listening to Be Wealthy and Smart or you've been listening for a long time, this is going to be very comprehensive and cover a lot of information. So you might want to take some notes, listen closely, and hopefully by the end of this, you'll feel a lot better. First, I just wanna say that this is a financial report. So before I get to the financial part, I just want to tell everyone, I hope you're staying safe and healthy. We all are doing our part to be socially distant. And that's one of the strategies that can help us get through this faster. So we're all in this together. And I just wanted to tell you, I'm thinking of you and we are going to get through this. So I hope that while I'm giving you a realistic report, I'm giving you the bad news with the good news, but I'm also giving you what I think is a realistic report and some things that might help you get through this and feel like things aren't as dire as what some people are reporting. So first of all, what happened today? Well, today the Standard & Poor's 500 was down almost 12%. It was the biggest one-day decline since 1987. But when you look at other large one-day declines, they were very close to this and very recent. On March 16th of 2020, we had a one-day drop of 11.98%. And on March 12th, 2020, we had a drop of 9.51%. So we've been seeing a lot of volatility in the market. And while this was the second biggest one-day decline, it's nowhere near 1987, which was almost double today's decline that day. We are also at the highest fear level we've seen since the 2008 crisis. And that's important because that can often be one of our contrarian indicators that we could be in a bottoming process. And in fact, as I record this tonight on Monday night, the Dow futures are already up 150 points. So we are seeing perhaps the signs of some buying come in and a possible rebound starting tomorrow. We also had some really great performers. Yesterday, I did a podcast about gold, silver, and mining stocks, and our favorite mining ETFs were up 18.37% and 20.37% today. Yes, I said up. They were up 18.37 and 20.34% today. So not everything was down. And while they have been in decline, this was a sharp jump for our favorite mining ETFs. 
And if you want to know more about that podcast, check out the podcast prior to this one, and you'll hear all the detailed research that I did about why those particular investments were poised to rebound quite nicely. So where are we after this sharp one-day drop? Well, for the year, the S&P 500 is down 26.14%, and the Russell 2000, those are small companies, is down 39.8%. Now, why such a difference, almost a 50% difference between the S&P 500, the largest companies, and the Russell 2000, smaller companies? Well, that's telling us that the market is fearing that small companies won't be able to fare through this as well as the large companies. If we have a prolonged situation where the whole economy is shut down, that may be true. It might be more difficult for smaller businesses to survive and get through this without maybe established lines of credit, without enough resources. That's a possibility but it may also be overblown. What we're dealing with is really a health crisis that's becoming an economic crisis. And one of the reasons why we had the sharp decline today is because over the weekend, a couple of things happened. One, the Federal Reserve decreased interest rates one full percentage point on Sunday, and we were expecting them to perhaps do maybe half a percent on Tuesday at their regular meeting. So the fact that they came out early and eased twice as much as we were expecting meant that there was some panic that came into the market. People were wondering, what is the Federal Reserve seeing that we're missing? And I think it spooked the market just as it did the first time the Fed dropped a half a percent and it spooked the market. But it's also necessary. This provides liquidity, stability, and these are important when you have dislocation in markets and strong moves in the stock market. So it's a good thing that the Fed did that. The other thing that happened over the weekend is a real hunkering down. We went from last week rallying on Friday over 9% to giving back those gains today because over the weekend, we saw more of a shutdown of the economy. It went from canceling some big events to we shouldn't get together if there's a thousand people to 500 people to now 50 people and many restaurants, bars, etc. closed. So it seems like there's whole cities that are shut down. Some have pockets of more coronavirus situation than others. But that clamping down further of the economy just shutting down means that that had to be priced in to companies' earnings. And if they're not going to have any business at all, well, they have to recalculate and anticipate the worst in some cases. And that caused a repricing in the market and a sell-off. Remember, this has been a multiple leg down sell-off. It's been very fast, but there's been definite legs to this. The first being the supply chain disruption from China. The second being the OPEC-Russia oil war surprise. The third being the shutdown of large conventions, hotels, cruises, sporting events, and now the extra large reduction in, in interest rates by the Federal Reserve and pretty much a tightening down of the economy completely. The good news is the rumors about a nationwide quarantine are completely false. So that was confirmed by the coronavirus task force today and the White House. 
So what did the task force have to say today? Because I find them to be very informative. I find them to be a source of good news, telling us what they're doing, what's happening, and clarifying some misunderstandings that I think exist in the market. And there's actually one quite large misunderstanding that I think might not be priced into the market yet. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But one of the things that was mentioned is there's a lot of coordination with states and governors. The governors have all been called and they're in coordination with the federal government. We also had the president say he spoke with grocery store CEOs and asked them to order more supplies than normal. And the CEOs told him that the demand was off the charts, even greater than at Christmas time. But they are doing everything they can to increase supply and keep up with demand and keep all of our groceries and supplies flowing. And then there was also a meeting among the G7 countries. So the major economies in the world got together, spoke, and have a coordinated plan of action. The big news announced by the task force, and one of two things that I think the market didn't pick up on today, is that they announced phase one of a clinical trial of a coronavirus vaccine has begun. And also there are antiviral treatments to reduce severity and duration of symptoms. We're also entering into a new phase of testing with commercial labs. What's very exciting about this phase one clinical trial testing is that this has happened in a 65-day period instead of usually a multiple-month period, sometimes as long as six months to get to this level. So Dr. Fauci was very excited that the time horizon had been stepped up so much, and frankly, so am I. Hopefully, we can get some great results out of this clinical trial. He also mentioned we're entering into a new phase of testing with commercial labs. And what we need is to see the number of sick people decline. But Dr. Burke said, as more people are tested now that kits are available, the number of people that have coronavirus will increase. And that may sound scary, and it might not be that it's spreading faster, but just that more people are getting tested. So the number of people who we know have it might dramatically increase and for that not to scare us. She also said if people who have it all self-quarantine over the next 15 days, we will see a dramatic difference and we won't need the ICU beds and ventilators in a worst case scenario. So I was very encouraged by that. In fact, this 15 day period was one of the points of clarification that I saw the task force make today that had prior to this had much confusion because there had been talk of this going into July and August. And Dr. Fauci went back to the microphone later and clarified that there is a 15 day period where he keeps reviewing everything. And so it's possible that we could see this dramatic action that's being taken now flatten the curve, which would be fantastic news. So there was confusion about the time period and taking it from July, August to first 15 days for reevaluation will help the stock market. Once that information gets clarified and really filters through to analysts and to people who are trying to estimate where the value of the stock market should be, 
that will provide some relief that we have the possibility of this being as short as 15 days. I'm not saying it will be, but I'm saying it is in the realm of possibilities. So let's all hope and pray for the best. The confusion is really over this time period. The biggest unknown is how long is this going to last and also how many people will get sick. Those two questions are big unknowns and that's why the stock market is making such volatile moves because it's trying to figure out, is it July and August or is it 15 days? Is it a lot more people getting sick and we have the high bell-shaped curve or have we flattened the curve significantly and it's not as bad as we think? You see, we don't have answers and we'll only know in hindsight. So the market has tended to go to the worst case scenario to price in all the bad news and anticipate all the bad news before we get the bad news. Again, Dr. Fauci said guidelines are 15-day trial guidelines to be reconsidering, not in stone through July. That's a direct quote. The president was very upbeat, and when the press asked him what about the stock market and the dramatic drop today, he said, the best thing for the stock market is to get through this crisis. Once this virus is gone, I think you're going to have a stock market like no one has ever seen before. Why can he say that? How can he say that? He can say that because right now, the action that's being taken is to address the issues at hand. But once those issues are addressed, it's going to work like a stimulus. So right now, it's a necessary package that's being put together. But once we're through this, it's going to be like rocket fuel to the stock market. I think John Riccardi, head of global asset allocation at Marion Global Investors, said it very well. He said, any sign that the virus is seasonal, that we're not going to have long-term effects this year on output and on inflation would really be a trigger for upside or revaluation. So the Fed, as part of their package, if you will, has already cut interest rates 1% with a prior cut of another half a percent. So in a couple of weeks, they've cut 1.5%. Now, one thing that people have really missed is something that Secretary Mnuchin said. And he said that while travel spending is down, of course, we know airlines are not flying as much. Cruise ships have shut down, some for 30 days, some for 60 days. Hotels have shut down, and some hotels in Las Vegas have even announced they're closed for a while and even having some layoffs. But here's what we're not hearing. We're not hearing the other part that he said. What Secretary Mnuchin said is that while travel spending is down, supplies, food, and medical purchases have almost surpassed what we've lost in travel. Because people are buying more, lining up for groceries, toilet paper, medical supplies, water, beverages, etc., the receipts on those sales are equating about what the receipts on travel used to be. So, so far, that would offset one another in the GDP and that would mean the negative growth that we were worried about isn't there right now. That doesn't mean it can't show up. It possibly can. And it makes logical sense that we would have negative growth in GDP. 
But I was surprised to hear Secretary Mnuchin said supplies, food, and medical purchases have offset travel. So that is a huge plus. In addition, Amazon is going to hire 100,000 workers to keep up with a warehouse demand surge. So there are some silver linings happening in the economy that have not been priced into the stock market yet. Now, the fear gauge closed at the highest level ever, greater than in 2008 even. What I call this is a point of maximum pessimism. Sometimes you get multiple points of maximum pessimism. And I did talk about this before, where we had certain signs of maximum pessimism. But now, with this fear gauge closing at an all-time high, that is another point of maximum pessimism. And what I'm saying is this is a bottoming process. This is a process of finding the bottom, but if you look at the chart that I've posted on my Facebook fan page, at Linda P. Jones fan page, you can see that we are very close to a bottom with the S&P 500. And so while I don't know the exact day that might happen, it quite possibly could have been today or it might be in our future. We don't know. Nobody does. But if we don't have any more bad news come in, then this could be a bottom. If we have some kind of worse news from Italy or spread here like it is in Italy, that would probably take us down some more. But here's what I hope you're hearing from me, is that this is temporary and we just need to get to the other side of it. Most experts agree the stock market will be higher at year end. This is an election year after all, and the economy was very strong before we went into this. Jobless claims were very low, consumer confidence was very high, and 70% of the success of the economy is what the consumer feels like. So if the consumer is feeling confident enough to continue spending, well, that's going to hold up 70% of the economy. So now I want to move to the Q&A portion of this special podcast. The first question is, how does this impact real estate? Well, in general, lower interest rates are good for real estate. They keep that real estate bubble from popping. And I did a full real estate report in podcast number 667. And if you want to hear about different regions of the country and you want to hear about high-end real estate versus entry-level real estate and what my forecast is for 2020 and why I think 2021 might be the year that gives us some problems. You can listen to my podcast at lindapjones.com forward slash podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. In general, the lower the interest rate, the better for the housing market. It makes the cost of money, the cost to borrow money less expensive. You get a refinancing boom in many cases. And if you have three quarters of a percentage move in interest rates, a refinancing can be a good move. Here we had double that. So it's likely that refinancing would benefit you. And I suggest you talk with your mortgage broker about that. But you can get my full real estate report at podcast number 667. Question number two, how low can the market go? Well, the difficulty answering that question is we don't know how long the virus is going to be infecting people, and we don't know how many people are going to be infected. So until we can answer those two questions, we don't know how low the market can go. If more negative news comes into the market, yes, it's possible it might go lower. But here's what we do know. 
This wasn't started because of a financial problem. It was started because of a health problem that became economic. So our chances of recovering very quickly are really good. And that brings me to question number three. How is this different from 2008, 911, and 1929? Well, first of all, in my opinion, this was not a bubble popping. The stock market was not in a bubble. In fact, it was one of the most reluctant bull markets we've ever seen. That means that people didn't think it could keep going higher, and it just kept going and going and going. Number two, this isn't an economic crisis. As I said, this is a health crisis that has become an economic crisis. This isn't like the housing bubble bursting in 2008 or like terrorists hitting the World Trade Center and us being blindsided and not sure what that was all about and what would happen from that. Nor is it like the bubble of 1929 in which everyone was invested in the stock market right down to the shoeshine boy. Where we were was in the middle of a growing economy with great trade deals that hadn't even been priced into the market yet. And now with this happening with China, I think that's actually going to help our economy longer term because I suspect many of those factories are going to come back to the United States or maybe closer by to Mexico. But I think that there's going to be a result of this that's going to bring back the manufacturing of aspirin and penicillin and things that we should have been manufacturing here in the first place. And really, we need to manufacture our medicines in our own country as a point of national security. So while this is an exogenous event like 9-11 was, it's very different from 9-11. This is something we can recover from. Number four, which stocks will rebound the fastest? Well, the stocks that are the most defensive will probably continue to do well, like utilities and staples, rather than those that are reliant on growth resuming. But we're very oversold on many different areas, and you could see a rally start at any time. If we get better news from Italy, and better news from China, and better news here, look out above because it could really set off a huge rally on the upside. Rather than try to find individual stocks that will rebound the fastest, I really like looking at ETFs. With an ETF, you can buy a whole sector or you can buy a whole asset class. You can buy the S&P 500 and have 500 companies in your ETF. You can buy medium-sized companies, mid-caps. You can buy small companies with the Russell 2000 ETF, for example. You can buy international, emerging markets. You can buy healthcare, biotech. ETFs really give you flexibility to target a whole industry and be diversified, and that way you don't have to have all your eggs in one basket. So I think that's the safer way to play this is to look at the ETFs. And of course, you always wanna start with your basic asset allocation first. You wanna make sure that you don't have all your money in the S&P 500. You should have some mid caps and small caps. You should have some international emerging markets. If you wanna have real estate investment trusts, you can have that too, and some bond funds. But make sure you have the basics before you go and add any sector ETFs. Number five, what is my biggest financial concern? My biggest financial concern is the time it's going to take to get through this. I want to see the time for us getting to the other side of this and getting through this and putting it behind us in the shortest possible time that we can. That will mean the least amount of disruption to our economy. 
the least amount of businesses having to lay off people, and the least amount of businesses having a bankruptcy. Number six, what is the biggest financial opportunity? I think the biggest financial opportunity is buying low. As I said, I really like ETFs, and there's all kinds of different ETFs you can consider. You could consider buying the S&P 500. You could consider buying a dividend ETF, such as the Dividend Aristocrats, which are companies, around 50 companies that have increased their dividends for 25 years. You could look at small caps since they've been so slammed. As long as you have a longer term time horizon, I think that makes some sense. The opportunity is the fact that the market has declined so much and everything's on sale. And this is an opportunity to buy low that if you have a three to five year time horizon, could possibly be a very good move. I would caution you to not try to time the market, but rather to dollar cost average in, perhaps over the next month. Take some spare investment money that you have that you can invest for five years and buy at regular intervals or buy on the dips. That way you're not trying to time the market, which nobody can, and you're very likely to get some good deals. And question number seven, is this Great Depression 2.0? Heavens, no, this is not Great Depression 2.0. Great Depression was because the stock market in 1929 got everybody in. As I said, even the shoeshine boy was giving stock tips. And that's how some people knew that was the peak of a market. When everybody's in, there isn't anyone else who can buy. And that's certainly not the case for this stock market. In 1929, the stock market declined by 70%. Yes, it did have some bounces, but a lot of people panicked and sold and unfortunately locked in those losses. Also, the banks, they didn't provide liquidity like the Fed is doing now. There wasn't enough stimulus happening to prevent that situation. And everything got so stretched and so out of whack that the whole system collapsed. That's not where we are right now. We have a very strong underlying economy. We have an exogenous event that is a health condition that's caused a financial condition. This was not from the popping of a bubble. We weren't seeing wild excessive valuations. Yes, valuations were a little bit high, but they weren't excessive. They weren't like they were in 2000. They weren't like they were in 1929. The economy underneath this is solid. Interest rates are near zero. Energy prices are lower than they've been. And Congress is working on stimulus packages. Plus the government is going to take care of the airline industry. There's lots and lots of support and help and stimulus that will be in this market that by the time we get to the other side of this, well, I just think it's going to be very interesting to watch because I think, well, wait a minute, don't take my word for it. What does the president have to say about the stock market once we're on the other side of this? Quote, once the virus goes away, I think you will see a tremendous surge. I think that makes a lot of sense. We're getting through a temporary event. We don't know how long it will take or how bad it will get. So we had to go to an extreme. But should the news turn out better than expected, all this extra help that we gave in case of the worst case scenario is going to help a situation that may not turn out to be so terrible a place that we're starting from. 
and it might be able to rebound back really quickly. Again, remember what Secretary Mnuchin said simply about the purchases offsetting the travel industry problems. That, I think, in and of itself is enormous news. Now, what if you're an entrepreneur? If you're an entrepreneur and self-employed and you're scared right now, here are some suggestions I have for you. First, be innovative. Do things that are innovative so you can still have sales during this time. Think about those restaurants who are converting to takeout and drive-through so they can still stay in business. Number two, inform your customers how you can help. Costco has been the benefit of people going there to buy all kinds of supplies, but they also were being proactive by putting something like a bidet in their advertising circular. So they were thinking ahead and trying to be helpful. Number three, be empathetic. I've been getting a lot of emails that are very much in legalese, and frankly, I don't want to read them. I just delete them. So if you're going to send an email to your customers, do something that is going to be helpful to them, not something that is just a lot of legalese. Number four, be visible. Let your customers know whether you're open or not. Number five, ask your customers how you can help. You might be surprised. They might need something that you can absolutely do for them that you didn't even think of. And number six, offer special deals. Because we're at zero interest rates, perhaps you could offer a special financing deal. That's at zero percent, which is exactly what I'm going to do in just a minute. But before I do, here are some positive actions you can take. Consider these things. Number one, increase your 401k contribution. If there's any way you can put more money into your 401k, I think it would be a good idea to do that. Number two, as I said before, try to dollar cost average in over time. Don't try to find the bottom. Don't try to time the market. Number three, buy exchange traded funds and not individual stocks. I think your chances of success are much greater and you have diversification built right in. And don't forget to, number four, use basic asset allocation. Cover all the asset classes. Make sure you have small caps, mid caps, large caps, international emerging markets, real estate, bonds, etc. Having the full asset allocation means you'll be able to participate in whatever part of the economy is doing well. And you'll have extra diversification too. This is how professional money managers set up their portfolios when they manage your money. If you feel like this is something you want to know more about, you want to expand your knowledge about investing, you'd like to really learn what this is all about and be part of my inner investing circle, I'm going to offer a no financing deal. And I've never done this before. I'm going to both extend the number of payments. I'm going to offer a 0% interest deal to join the VIP experience and extend the payments from six months to eight months. If that's something you want to consider, join my email list at lindapjones.com. Just put your name and email address on the pop-up that comes up on the page. And later this week, you'll get an email to come in at 0% financing and the lowest payments I've ever offered. I hope it gave you confidence to understand more about the market and gave you some insight that you didn't already know. These are unprecedented times and this is history in the making. We're living in it right now. But I truly believe 
taking smart action will pay off in the future. It's like one professional money manager said, people make a lot of money in bear markets. They just don't realize it at the time. I agree. Well, there you have it. That was my full report on everything that's happened so far, how we got here, and where I think we're going long term. If you want to be part of this experience and invest alongside of me, again, sign up on my email list at lindapjones.com. If you haven't yet subscribed to Be Wealthy and Smart, hit the subscribe button and you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. That's all for today. Until next time, live the good life and be wealthy and smart. Thank you for listening to Be Wealthy and Smart with Linda P. Jones. Share the wealth and tell your family and friends about the show. Check out our website, blog, and social media for more riches at www.bewealthyandsmart.com.